Welcome to In the Queue, a podcast presented by Messick, Lyra, and Smith. From QSOs to regulatory concerns and everything in between, we will talk about relevant topics, trends, and information in the credit union industry and how it affects your credit union or QSO. On today's episode, we have a change of roles. Instead of Mike Keller hosting the podcast, I will interview Mike. Mike is an attorney at Mesa Clara and Smith and focuses his practice on vendor management for our clients. Mike assists clients throughout the contract negotiation process. Mike will discuss third-party risk management programs and vendor due diligence and how credit unions should think about and approach both topics. Without further ado, my interview with Mike Keller. Well, Mike, I would say welcome for your first time on being in the queue, but you've been on every episode, but now you're going to be a guest on in the queue. So welcome. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a nice opportunity to have the opportunity, you know, to be on the other side of this interviewing process, you know, when you're preparing from questions and getting into these interesting conversations. And uh, I hope I can deliver on that end, you know, as a, as a guest, as opposed to hosting. Yeah. We'll have you in the hot seat here for a little bit to learn more about <laughs> Uh, third-party risk management and, and what credit unions should be doing. And so just initially, the, the first question is, why should credit unions be caring about third-party risk management? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's important to, you know, because obviously as lawyers, right, we deal with a lot of, you know, regulations and, and reading specific codes and, and, you know, telling our clients how it applies to them specifically. But I think taking like a broader context is important as well, especially in this area, where the regulatory scheme is is it's much more reliant on you know the credit union's own individual program, you know, and it kind of like defers to them as to how they define risk. Um, so you know what we see is is with technological innovation like in the financial institution space has been rapidly growing, right? And I think what comes with that rapid growth is also you know that reliance on third parties to deliver services, right? There's a huge competition to get, you know, for credit unions, you know, their members, the most up-to-date and uh, helpful um, member experiences. And that's through the service offerings, right? Um, so what third parties can do is they can offer expertise in areas where credit unions might not necessarily be familiar with, and that's beneficial for both parties, right? Um, so it expands service offerings to members and what's otherwise a competitive marketplace. Um, and I think it also helps increase efficiencies and economies of scale for the credit union, again, when they don't necessarily have that expertise. But, you know, with that, you know, comes this balance, right? You know, credit unions do have obligations to their members. They're ultimately responsible for their own activities and the actual services that they do offer. Um, and that includes those offered by third parties, right? So, you know, this all has to be done in a safe and sound manner. And so, you know, when you're thinking about engaging third parties for service relationships, that also has to be balanced with regulatory requirements. And the NCUA does have supervision there. Gotcha. No, that all makes sense. And so big picture, what should credit unions think about when either creating their third party program or maybe they're reviewing their third party program? Yeah. So um, what the NCUA has issued uh, in this area is a supervisory letter. It's 7-01. Uh, and what the purpose of that letter is, is to develop um, you know, credit unions, a better understanding of what examiners are looking for when evaluating you know, how a credit union engages with third-party relationships. 
And the particular focus in that letter um, is on risk mitigation. So um, I, I would note too, you know, just before we dive into the letter, you know, it is always important, you know, if you're like a state charter credit union or, you know, if you're a credit union that's looking to offer services in um, maybe other types of industry, you know, be be aware also of other regulatory guidance and examination procedures that are going to be out there. Like I know we're going to focus specifically on what the NCUA says and, you know, obviously justifiably so, but uh, make sure you're also looking out for, for those types of regulatory guidance as well. Um, but back to the letter itself, it really does focus on three main pillars, uh, and that's risk assessment and planning, uh, due diligence, and then uh, what they label as ongoing risk measurement, monitoring, and control. And essentially, what the letter gets at is, you know, how does a credit union identify risk? Uh, you know, how do they mitigate, you know, that risk, you know, in dealing with third parties, and then ultimately, how is that evaluated over the course of the third parties? Uh, relationship with the credit union. Um, so, you know, to get to your point of like what the big picture is, I think it's important to remember too, from the NCUA's perspective, what they're really looking for is that that third-party risk management program is tailored to your specific credit union, right? So it's going to consider the size of your institution, the actual services you're seeking to have the third party, um, you know, do on behalf of the credit union. Uh, and then how you create these risk profiles, right? For like the, the vendors that are providing the services. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. And I, and I do appreciate the point about other things outside of the NCUA guidance, definitely as credit unions get involved in other industries and things like that, to be aware of what is required in those industries, if anything. Yeah, for sure. I, I was going to say too, Mike, um, one quick thing too, about the program, generally speaking, Um I think that it's important to identify, you know, personnel within the institution, you know, who's able to actually implement the credit union's risk management program. Um, you know, a lot of credit unions do that internally, but some do also seek external guidance in that area. You know, there's other vendors, you know, vendors performing vendor services, it seems like, right? Um, and then also, you know, it's, it's obviously important for the board to be involved in this whole process too, right? You know, they kind of approve the risk management program, they're responsible for reviewing it and receiving updates, you know, if there's any changes that need to be made to it. Uh, and then they're also responsible, the board that is, you know, to uh, oversee critical vendor relationships. Um, you know, so those types of critical services, you know, essentially like, is the credit union or its membership totally relying on this vendor that if that vendor goes away, that'll have a you know, significant impact on the institution. Um, and then just kind of like one catch-all for like the, the vendor risk management program, like it really should be adaptable. Like we said, you know, it's got to, it should be like kind of reviewed and updated accordingly. But we've seen now with, you know, in the past, it seems like every year there's a new thing that pops up, right? Um, you know, how resilient is that program giving some of the volatility we've seen, uh, you know, in, in the world really, you know, over the past few years? No, absolutely. And I think, you know, one one of the things you just mentioned about if there are internal employees that have a role in the risk management process, I think having it expressed in the plan is is important because, you know, there's turnover with inside the institution. And if someone new comes in, they shouldn't, you don't have to go through and handle it or reteach them. You can just give them the plan and like, here's what you have to do. No, and yeah, that, that makes total sense for sure. You know, especially from that continuity standpoint. And then, you know, one of the things you just mentioned about reviewing the plan and, and having it be a working document, what sort of things should credit unions be thinking about when they're reviewing the plan? 
Yeah. So, you know, just from where I start from, I, I, I always go back to the guidance, right. And, and what does that supervisory letter said? So again, it breaks it down into like these three pillars. So I think the program specifically just from like an overview, well, I said specifically, but like more like from like an overview perspective, right. Like thinking about initial risk assessment, right. You want to think through and how to implement in the actual plan, like, what are your goals for engaging in certain third-party relationships, right? Like, is it for a specific member service? Uh, you know, is it because the financials match up? You know, is it like a partnership that you want to develop? I think these are all things that, you know, you need to think through before you engage with any sort of third-party relationship. Um, and not only just have goals, but like actual measurable goals, right? So then this way, you know, and, and what we're going to see throughout these pillars is there's a lot of, uh, they interrelate a lot. Um, so like having measurable goals gives you the ability to know what you're looking for from a due diligence perspective, and then also gives you the ability to effectively monitor that relationship to make sure you're getting the most out of it. Um, you know, we talk about at the initial stage too, right? Like, will there be any member impact, right? You know, like it's a very, it's a reputational business, you know, like if you're going to be relying on third parties that are going to be providing services to your members on behalf of your credit union, it's important to understand all the nuance that goes into that process. Um, and then I think uh, a point we'll bring up maybe in all three of these pillars is exit strategy, right? Um, we're attorneys. We have to deal with this on a day-to-day basis as you know, everybody's all excited to get involved in a relationship. And we're always the ones that have to bring some uh, bad news or, or at least the thought that there could be a scenario where the relationship doesn't go as well as you both hope it does. So it's really to get out of the relationship with the least amount of damage to the credit union and its membership. Um, so like through that process, you know, the credit union should really have established uh, risk rating systems. Um, and I know that that's what examiners will look for, you know, to, to make sure that these different types of third parties fall into different types of buckets. Uh, I can't help but echo the the exit strategy comment because it's definitely something that you know we get involved with a lot, and it's usually the least favorite part of everyone's discussions when reviewing and negotiating these sort of deals. But I think you know it's super important that there is goal setting, and you're able to measure success to tell whether the relationship with this vendor is worthwhile, and that if it's not, the credit needs the ability to pivot and go somewhere else. But it also kind of puts it on the vendor to meet the needs of the credit union. Cause if they're not, you need to be able to go find somebody else. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great point. You know, this is supposed to be a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, you know, there are certainly issues with like vendor consolidation that are out there where, you know, I think a lot of credit unions feel like they're, they're left in the dark a little bit, you know, like they're just kind of cogs in a machine. Um, but I think at the heart of it, it's like you said, I mean, this is a relationship that should be mutually beneficial for both parties. And these are things that both parties should really be considering. Now, in getting more into vendor due diligence, what are sorts of what are the sort of things that credit unions should be thinking about when going through that process? Yeah, I think it's uh you know, once you've kind of made that decision to outsource a particular service, right, you really need to understand and be able to verify a vendor's business model. You know, you have to have a, a pretty thorough understanding of, of, you know, who they are as a business and those services that they are offering, you know, to make sure that you're selecting, you know, again, I, I think of this more as a partnership, right? So, you know, you want to find a partnership, again, that is beneficial for the two of you. 
Um, so I think you have to think through, you know, what are that third party's qualifications and like, do they meet your specific service level and financial needs? Um, you know, you want to make sure that the vendor has a reputation that's, you know, a good reputation, um, preferably in the industry, you know, that they have some sort of reputation within the credit union industry, but at the very least in the financial institution industry, um, also, like, you know, we were talking about that business model and, and we talked about the importance of like resiliency, right? Like, is that business model able to withstand changes in the economic climate, the regulatory climate? I mean, the technological climate, right? I mean, like, I feel like technology changes. It's not even years anymore, right? It's a, it's, a, it's within months. Um, and then I think in an ever increasing uh, emphasis that regulators have, uh, are looking not only at the third party that the credit union is dealing with, but any sort of subcontractors or contractors, you know, the the vendors, third parties too, to understand that web and how it works, especially if those, you know, vendor third parties are offering critical services to deliver those services either to the credit union or to the credit union's um, membership. You know, so like if there are critical, you know, I think in the industry, they're sometimes defined as like fourth parties, right? So like if they are a critical part of the process, um, you know, the credit union has to understand how that vendor evaluates its own third party relationships. Right. So it's like it's like, um, you know, a vendor management process of the vendors vendor management process. So, you know, if that is inadequate, you know, for all the regulatory expectations that the credit union is expecting, you know, the credit union needs to find a way to perform due diligence on those fourth parties itself. Uh, so I, I frequently get this question of like, you know, because of how complex these relationships get now, you know, how far along the lines does that, you know, how, you know, how far do you have to go? Right. Um, and that's not an easy question to answer, you know, to be honest with you. I think it is very dependent, um, you know, vendor by vendor, but it really is that focus on criticality. You know, like if if that fourth party is offering a service to the vendor that the service offering would not happen without that critical piece, um, you know, then that fourth party needs to be, you know, there needs to be adequate due diligence or a means for the credit union to obtain information about that vendor's third party. Um, and again, this is just an increasing area of regulatory interest. So, you know, it's definitely something that I think is already a part of credit unions due diligence profile, but, um, you know, needs to be considered even more so moving forward. You know, I think that's a great point, especially, you know, what you said, how critical these vendor third parties are to their whole operation. And I think, you know, the credit union making sure they understand this vendor's business model and how critical and important their subcontractors and other vendors are to understanding like the whole picture of what the relationship is going to be is super important. Yeah. And I was going to say, Mike, I, I know that, that we're, we both hear this on on our calls is is that expectations there too, right? Like it, from like a diagram perspective to like, you know, just actually being able to identify these parties um, to really understanding their role and how the process works from, you know, again, for how those services are actually offered and implemented. Um, you know, this is just something that's expected now for sure. No, absolutely. And I'll say, you know, from calls I'm on with some of my QSO clients that offer credit unions third-party services, if they have any sort of third parties, I usually tell them, hey, just provide them the information they're going to ask for it. They need to start knowing who you're working with. And so to make the negotiations go smoother and make sure everyone knows what they're getting into, just provide the necessary information. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I was going to say too, like a, a few other things that I wanted to mention before we we move on from a due diligence perspective too, right? We we talked about this impact to members. So, you know, obviously one of the first things you need to know is, is, is there going to be access to member information? You know, we, we've seen, um, you know, in the United States, uh, in other countries, you know, this growing importance of protecting a member's data. Uh, there are regulatory requirements under the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act, but we've seen each individual state now, it seems like, has uh, either passed or there's um, a bill in, 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 uh, in committee you know, at various state legislatures to have their own privacy bill. Um, so it's important to, you know, you know, if you're a state charter credit union, if one of those laws apply, right, to make sure you're adequately protected on that standpoint. Um, but then generally speaking, you know, for, for vendors and how they protect member information, that that's important, right? Um, you know, and then how the credit union can verify that information, you know, what kind of reports it receives from uh, the vendor, Um you know, and that it has access to information from like testing capabilities. Uh, you know, it has their own IT people being able to go in and to fully understand how that information is protected, just to make sure that the credit union itself is assured uh, that that information is going to be protected in a way that the credit union itself can fully trust. No, that's a great point. And and sort of you know wrapping th- this piece up a, a bit. Are there any other? Uh, resources or guidance that credit unions should be aware of when thinking about their third-party risk management program and then, you know, vendor due diligence? Yeah. So I think that the NCUA supervisory letter, you know, that, you know, that's, that's who, um, you know, regulates credit unions, right? So, you know, that's, that's the first place I would certainly go. That's a good resource. The NCUA also uh, has its examiner's guides that are available for review, you know, to help you before any sort of examination. You know, I, I know a lot of credit unions are very well aware of that, but that's also a very good uh, resource. And then one I would also kind of highlight as well, this, the you know, the supervisory letter from the NCUA is from 2007. <laughs> so, you know, what, you know 16, right, 16 years ago, um, it was written in a way that, you know, can generally apply, you know, I think as, as the times have changed. But um, we did recently see in 2021, there and this guidance right now is just proposed, so it's not uh, final yet. But um, there is interagency guidance on third-party relationships and risk management um, that was proposed in uh, conjunction. It's between the the Fed, the FDIC, the OCC, right? So these are regulators that don't necessarily regulate credit unions, but I think the guide itself is helpful to kind of see. And again, it it has a very you know the framework for the most part is consistent with that NCUA supervisory letter. But it does add more context, right? Given this growing importance of technological relationships, I think in particular, and different vendors that offer uh, more innovative technological services. So again, doesn't necessarily apply to credit unions. Well, it doesn't apply to credit unions, but I think it's helpful to take a look at that and what we might expect. Because we do know all these regulators do chat with each other and, and they do look for particular things that come out of those conversations for sure. Well, that's a good point. Thanks. Um, and now in just wrapping up our conversation here, what do you think is the biggest takeaway credit union should take from our discussion and then just in thinking about their third-party risk management program? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing from an examination process, Mike, is, um, you know, obviously it's important to have, you know, it's a regulatory requirement to have a third-party risk management program, right? And for it to address 
you know, initial risk assessment for due diligence to make sure that you continue to monitor that uh, third party throughout the duration of the relationship. Um, so it's it's all nice to have that on paper, right? But it's also important that the credit union actually implements and executes that plan, right? Because I think that that's the first thing, you know, do you have a plan Two, are you following it? <laughs> you know, right. um, and, and that's where I think we see uh, a lot of issues arise, you know, because you could have the best policy written in the world, right? But if you're not following it, it's not too effective. Um, and we have seen credit unions get in trouble for that in the past. So, you know, it's very important that, you know, because all all the regulators looking for is is that this uh, program is tailored to your specific needs and your risk profiles that you're looking for, um, you know, in vendors and, you know, third parties. And like, if you decide to take on additional risk, it's important to identify, you know, where you took on that risk and why, right? And as long as all that information is cataloged uh, and fully understood and brought up to the, you know, the the personnel and the board that are involved in these decision-making processes, that's really what the regulator is looking for at the end of the day. No, that's that's a good point. I appreciate that. Um, In wrapping up, is there anything that you're working on that we should all be keeping an eye out for? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, vendor management, you know, third party risk, whether that's through, you know, most of the time contract negotiations or, you know, policy review. So, um, you know, I've kind of taken it upon myself to give a little bit more insight into the contract review process. So I know that, uh, you know, like I recently, you know, we recently sent something out to clients, uh, you know, this month, this is in April. Um, so there's definitely gonna be more of that coming down um, the pipe. You know, so, you know, contract negotiation, obviously a big part of that due diligence process as well. So if you're looking for a little more insight into that process and, and kind of like what we do here at our firm, you know, be on the lookout for that. Well, good. Thanks, Mike. There you go. For sure. <laughs> um, thanks again, Mike. I really appreciate you coming on the pod to be a guest. I know you've been hosting all the episodes and we really appreciate that. And so I'm sure you'll be back in the host seat soon. I hope you I hope you enjoyed being a guest. Uh, and I hope I you know, did a good job hosting this episode. Ah, uh, you certainly did, Mike. It's It's been fun to be on this side of the table for sure. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Yep, bye.